Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, God's Suffering Servants, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Our episode last week, God's Suffering Servants, Part 1, was posted on November 5th. In that episode, we noted, The grace of God never fails to produce a thorough work of conversion. This solves the quandary of losing one's salvation. For in that quandary, there is any number of any possible reasons one may be distracted with questions in their mind. Our salvation, our conversion, is never lost in any way, not even in the passing of time. Regardless of whether we are presently in a leadership position or just church-attending people, because either can receive the salvation of God in vain. Whether notionally received or received in word only, when the gift of salvation is used in an abusive fashion and or perverted to be for vile purposes, it in no way reflects true salvation and true Christianity. When men and women drop salvation, deny salvation, and fall off from it, their true salvation is in question if the grace of God fails of producing a thorough work of conversion. God's work of salvation is not flawed in any way. It fully depends on a true heart in the believer or potential believer as to whether one is truthfully saved in Christ or not. Further, William Burkett said, Ministers are workers together with God, as well as with one another. Where in that can anyone find any reason for great and well-known media-based ministers with multi-million dollar television shows where they always have something to sell their viewers. This is also done on radio and the Internet. Now, the question is valid to ask. Is the motivation behind them true or... To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled God's Suffering Servants Part 1, posted on November 5th. This week, our study is titled, God's Suffering Servants, Part 2. Last week, we closed with verse 4 in our study passage. For clarity, we will retain verse 4 as our author was a bit wordy. In my Bible, he writes verses 4 through 10 as one sentence. Our scripture passage this week reads, But as God's servants, 
we have commended ourselves in every way, with great endurance, in persecutions, in difficulties, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in troubles, in sleepless nights, in hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by benevolence, by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by truthful teaching, by the power of God, with weapons of righteousness, both for the right hand and for the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and praise, regarded as impostors and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and yet, see, we continue to live, as those who are scourged and yet not executed, as sorrowful but always rejoicing, as poor but making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. From Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 10. Now, starting in verse 5, we read, In beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in troubles, in sleepless nights, in hunger, Hama, in stripes, in imprisonments. Of these, the history of the Acts of the Apostles gives ample testimony, and there are doubtless many instances of persecution in various forms which are not on record. In tumults, insurrections raised against them because of the gospel. It is more natural to understand the word thus than of agitations, or many cases of tossing to and fro, in consequence of their unsettled state of life, or because of persecution which obligated them to flee from place to place. In labors, both with our own hands to provide for ourselves the necessaries of life that we might not be chargeable to others, and in labors to spread the gospel of God through all countries where his providence opened our way. From Adam Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible When reading Mr. Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes, one easily gets the idea that Christianity is hard even very hard. That all depends on where you live at the time of this podcast, because it is not going to get any easier in the coming passing days going forward, if we are really in the last days before Christ's return on the clouds for his people. However, it should be noted, at this present time, many places are far easier to live and work for God than others. We should observe as well that our Bibles tell us that the precursor period to the tribulation will be much more difficult than the precursor period before the flood. Moving forward, notice what Mr. Clark said about our labors in this life. Both with our own hands to provide for ourselves, 
the necessaries of life that we might not be chargeable to others, and in labors to spread the gospel of God through all countries where his providence opened our way. In this quote, there are two things we need to specifically note. The first is most important, and I will repeat what Mr. Clark said, both with our own hands to provide for ourselves the necessaries of life. Why? That we might not be chargeable to others. Or, as we might say today, that we might not owe to others or be obligated to others, thus being chargeable to others. The bottom line being suggested here is ministers should have their own form of income that is not derived from the church. That would, at the very least, suggest that all money collected in the church be completely for the church operations and business of benevolence for openers. That may seem harsh to some people, but it is what is being spoken of here. It should also be noted that pastors who continually write books and profit from them do not need to burden the church by also taking an income from the church financial budget. A few pastors here in America do not take a salary this way, but many do. That is one example of why the church financial budget, derived from offerings, needs to be put to better use. Again, here in this country, many pastors make plenty of money with their book deals. Maybe they are not millionaires, but they have a very good income nonetheless. So, receiving a book writer's income in addition to receiving an income from the church offering, makes little sense in the logical mind based on what we are being told by commentary. Secondly, Adam Clark also said, and in labors to spread the gospel of God through all countries where his providence opened our way. That quite succinctly tells us what else we should be doing, spreading the gospel of God through all countries where his providence has opened our way. This does not mean we, as an individual, should be trying to make our witness to others a global witness. Today's technology, notwithstanding, that permits us to globally witness. At the very least, we should witness to others where we live, work, and travel, however much or however little one travels. Some people vacation in other countries. Some people only vacation in other states of America or in their provinces in other countries. However, no matter where we are, there is always an opportunity for us to witness if we are looking for it. Notice further, in watching, passing many nights without sleep 
or rest. In fastings, partly constrained through want of food and partly voluntary as a means of obtaining an increase of grace both for ourselves and for the churches. From Adam Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible. We specifically want to note Adam Clark's note on fasting. Today, many of us are not constrained through want of food. So, it is even more a voluntary thing for us. It is a means of obtaining an increase of grace both for ourselves and for the churches. That is a twofold reason in favor of fasting for us who are in Christ today. Have you given thought to fasting? Verse 6 reads, By purity, by knowledge, by patience, by benevolence, by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love. Hama. Paul, having in the previous verses grouped together some of the sufferings which he endured and by which he had endeavored to commend and extend the true religion, proceeds here to group together certain other influences by which he had sought the same object. The substance of what he here says is that it had not only been done by sufferings and trials, but by a holy life, and by entire consecration to the great cause to which he had devoted himself, he begins by stating that it was by pureness, that is, by integrity, sanctity, a holy and pure life. All preaching and all labors would have been in vain without this. And Paul well knew that if he succeeded in the ministry, he must be a good man. The same is true in all other professions. From Barnes' New Testament Notes First, we should specifically note of Mr. Barnes' comment. The substance of what he here says is that it had not only been done by sufferings and trials, but by a holy life. So, those of us also must live a life that includes sufferings and trials, but includes a sincere, holy life. One could allow themselves to suffer sufferings and trials to publicly proclaim how good a Christian they are, when in fact one must also live a holy life. This should demonstrate that living a life of deceit is only getting harder as the bar is being raised on that false lifestyle. Further, and by entire consecration to the great cause to which he had devoted himself, he begins by stating that it was by pureness, that is, by integrity, sanctity, a holy and pure life. That bar for making falsehoods work, undetected, has just been significantly raised again. Living a false life of Christianity would seem quite hard. So, if either living for God or living in falsehoods 
are both difficult, then it makes sense to live a hard life for Christ. At least in that, there is a reward when we transition to our eternal life. Verse 7 reads, By truthful teaching, by the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness both for the right hand and for the left. Comma. Notice that one has weapons of righteousness both for the right hand and for the left hand. One might ask, what are these weapons one holds? By the armor of righteousness, such as that described by the Apostle, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17, which he calls there the whole armor of God, consisting of the following pieces, the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. On the right hand and on the left hand, particularly the shield and the sword, the former on the left arm and the latter in the right hand. We have the doctrine of truth and the power of God as an armor to protect us on all sides, everywhere, and on all occasions. It seems far-fetched to understand the right hand as signifying prosperity and the left as signifying adversity, as if the apostle had said, we have this armor to defend us both in prosperity and adversity. By the doctrine of the gospel and by the power of God, the apostles were furnished with offensive and defensive weapons. They could ever defend themselves and discomfort their foes. From Adam Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible. If we are truly saved by Christ, in Christ, we have the whole armor of God. We have in our hands a shield on the left arm and a sword in the right hand. The big question for all of us is, do we know how to use either, or better, both? Do we know when we should hold an offensive fighting posture and when we should hold a defensive fighting posture? For we possess in our hands the tools for both. So the question remains, do we know when we should hold an offensive fighting posture and when we should hold a defensive fighting posture? If we cannot answer that question, then the weapons of our warfare are useless to us. If you have a hammer and a saw to build with, but know not how to use a hammer and saw, you cannot build anything. The same is true about our armor of God. Not only do we need to know how to wear it properly, we need to know how to use it properly as well. For a servant is always subject to criticism, both from the right and from the left side. That's why he has to be balanced, to be able to defend himself against both sides. Criticism and opposition are things you must always expect when you live and work for the Lord. 
Not that you must feel exalted above all criticism, for that is arrogance. From King Comment's Commentary on the Whole Bible. Verse 8 reads, Through glory and dishonor, through slander and praise, regarded as impostors and yet true, semicolon. By honor and dishonor, by going through both sometimes respected, sometimes despised. By evil report and good report, sometimes praised, at other times making maliciously or knowingly false statements by report. As deceivers, said to carry about a false doctrine for our secular compensation, as fees or tips from employment, recompense, and yet true, demonstrated by the nature of the doctrine as well as by our life and conversation that we are true men, having nothing in view but God's glory and the salvation of the world. From Adam Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible. Please note, for greater ease of understanding, I substituted the word definitions for calumnated and emolument, since many may not be familiar with these words. Mr. Clark's explanation of this verse may better help us also understand why we have a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon. Mr. Clark's explanation may also help one understand when and how to use such weapons of our warfare. For in that we see how the shield and the sword is used. Note also, while the shield and sword are used, these are not real weapons of steel. They are properly spiritual weapons for our spiritual battle we are involved in on a daily basis. They are used by the words we speak, not by any physical activity using steel crafted weapons. This means that some of our words shield us from others and some of our words cut even to the quick. That means we need to think first before we use our spiritual sword. Or, as one would say today, we need to think before we speak. Even though the sword is held in the hand, it is descriptive of how we speak to others. The shield also is worn on the left arm, but is how we defend and shield ourselves from the speech of others. However, I digress. Verse 10 reads, As sorrowful, but always rejoicing, as poor, but making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. As sorrowful, considerate men supposing, from our persecuted state and laborious occupation, often destitute of the necessities of life, seldom enjoying its conveniences and scarcely ever its comforts, that we must be the most miserable of all men. 
yet always rejoicing, having the consolation of God's Spirit at all times, and a glorious prospect of a blessed immortality. As poor, destitute of all worldly good and secular interest, yet making many rich, by dispensing to them the treasures of salvation, making them rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. The gospel, when faithfully preached and fully received, betters the condition of the poor. It makes them sober, so they save what before they profusely and riotously spent. It makes them diligent, and thus they employ time to useful purposes which they before squandered away. They therefore both save and gain by religion, and these must lead to an increase of property. Therefore, they are made rich, at least in comparison with that sinful, profligate state in which they were before they received the truth of the gospel. From Adam Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes on the Bible Let me read Adam Clark's Commentary and Critical Notes comment again with the word meaning for profligate. The gospel, when faithfully preached and fully received, betters the condition of the poor and makes them sober, so they save what before they profusely and riotously spent. It makes them diligent, and thus they employ time to useful purposes which they before squandered away. They therefore both save and gain by religion, and these must lead to an increase of property. Therefore, they are made rich, at least in comparison with that sinful licentiousness or dissipation of reckless waste, widely extravagant state in which they were before they received the truth of the gospel. Notice what salvation in Christ does for us, according to Matthew Clark. The gospel, when faithfully preached and fully received, betters the condition of the poor. It makes them sober, so they save what before they profusely and riotously spent. It makes them diligent, and thus they employ time to useful purposes which they before squandered away. They therefore both save and gain by religion, and these must lead to an increase of property. Therefore, they are made rich. Just how big that increase in property really is, is uncertain. Yes, one can plan and work hard and thus become rich. However, what if it is meant that one becomes rich in spirit and not in physical wealth? Something to really think about. Next week, our episode is titled, 
God's Suffering Servants, Part 3. We will learn more of what our Bibles say in verse 12. It reads, in part, Our affection for you is not restricted. We are told further by Mr. Barnes, It is not narrow, confined, hent up. It is ample and free. What does all this mean? To find out more, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot o r g. Please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen or spaces in unchurched. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website has more information, links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, 
be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.